Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. And we're into extra time. Hello and welcome to Extra Time. I'm Stephen Hewson. Well, it's been tough going for the Kiwis Rugby League side this year. Walloped by the Kangaroos in their tests earlier on. The side was thrown into turmoil when Captain Jesse Bromwich and teammate Kevin Proctor allegedly bought cocaine outside a Canberra nightclub and were busted. Then standout NRL player Jason Tomalolo declared he was leaving the Kiwis on the eve of the team being named for the World Cup, heading to play for Tonga. The World Cup kicks off in Melbourne tonight when Australia play England. The first Kiwis match is against Samoa at Mount Smart Stadium on Saturday. Matt Chatterton caught up with the former Kiwis coach Frank Endicott, who told him he believes the New Zealand side's about to turn a corner. I think they're right on track. They sound happy. Uh, they're all buying into the uh, plan that David Kidwell has given them uh, and the style of play to play. And uh, I, uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing them play the first match against Samoa. How, how do you think um, Kidwell's, you know, there's, there's obviously been quite a bit of uh, politics in the lead up to the World Cup. How do you think Kidwell's handled that? He had his first press conference, or, you know, his press conference ahead of the uh, first game on Saturday the other day. And he, he spoke about the, you know, how it's made him a better coach. What, what do you think, uh, how do you think he's handled the situation? Look, look over, uh, since the Kiwis have come together, I think he's handled the situation pretty good. Um, you know, he's had a hard time uh, over the last few months with uh, things uh, beyond his control. Um, and I think he's, he's really done well. So, uh, you know, David needs success and we support him in that. And let's hope the players go out there and do um, and get the right result for him too. Do you think the uh, Kiwis have a, a good chance of, uh, of, winning, of winning the title again? Look, the Kiwis are certainly um, in the top three um, and, and there's no reason to believe that they can't beat England or Australia on the day. So, um, yeah, I think they're good enough. From uh, They've got good enough players there to make the final and once you're in the final, you concentrate on winning it. So um, it would be a great achievement if they made the final under the circumstances uh, and I think they've got a great chance of doing that. Um, one comment, I was talking to Thomas Lulawai earlier and he said when he came back from um, the UK he couldn't even tell that a World Cup was on. Has there been much build-up down in the South Island in Christchurch? Have you, have you heard any people you know, talking about, about the World Cup? Yeah, I have. Certainly over the last week or so they've um, really amped up the, the marketing uh, and the advertising for the game here. I think they'll get a good crowd here against Scotland. Um, there's a lot of interest down here. There's a lot of rugby league people in the South Island. So I'm picking they'll come from the West Coast, Nelson and uh, all the surrounding provinces and uh, and make this an event that, um, you know, we, we New Zealand, make New Zealand Rugby League proud. You know, we don't get too many test matches with the Kiwis down here and uh, it's just so good to have them here. Um, and uh, they got a game against Scotland. They need a bit of revenge there for what happened last year, of course. So, uh, you know, I'm, um, I'm picking we'll get a great turnout and, and, and a great game. 
And um, you mentioned uh, Sean Johnson earlier. You heard him earlier in the week. Um, he's he's sounding incredibly um, relaxed and positive going into this uh, into this tournament. He talked a lot about how important it is for not only the Kiwis but the whole World Cup to really showcase what this game can do here in New Zealand and abroad. Um, do you, do you think that, that that they're on the right track? They're doing that at the moment with everything in the build up. And do you think that uh, it, it will help help the game? I do. I I think listening to Sean Sean Johnson's uh, interview the other day, I think um, made a lot of people I know happy because of the way he came across. He was uh, he was relaxed. He was uh, he was in a great frame of mind. He's he's bought into what the coaches um, told him about how they're going to play the game. And uh, I think they're going to have an attractive game plan and uh, play some old-fashioned, um, old-type or old-style Kiwi Rugby League. And uh, I think it's going to be exciting. And uh, at the end of the day, it's all about the results, but it's how you achieve those uh, results also. So I'm looking forward to it. I really am. Do you think that was needed, that sort of change, going back to back to the uh, traditional Kiwi style, given, um, I guess, our recent results over teams like Australia and England, I'm thinking last year at the Four Nations and the Anzac Test this year? Yeah, I, I think it's a good move to go back to the traditional Kiwi style. Um, you know, you might take the odd more risk, but, uh, you know, it can pay off for you too. And if you go into, and play Australia in a conservative-type uh, game, then you're never going to win it. Um, so you've got to do something outside the... And uh, from what I hear, David Kiddles come, told the players they've got a free hand, play their natural game. And um, and if they take that to the letter, I think it's going to be an exciting uh, and um, hopefully uh, profitable World Cup for, for the Kiwis. We're joined now by Matt Chatterton, who'll be covering the Rugby League World Cup for us. Matt, what, what do you rate of the, the Kiwis' chances, given they've had such a, a rough year? Yeah, it's safe to say it has not been the uh, most successful of years for the Kiwis, both on and off the pitch. Uh, think back to 12 months ago, they played in the Four Nations up in the UK and only just scraped into the final after they drew with Scotland of all teams. And then they had a one-point win over over England. Uh, they lost, obviously, quite badly uh, to Australia and then were beaten again in the Anzac Test earlier this year. Uh, on top of that they had the Jesse Bromwich and Kevin Proctor uh, drug scandal after the after the Test match and those two have subsequently been dropped from the team for this World Cup. You've uh, got the defections of Jason Tomalolo and three other uh, players to Tonga right on the eve of the World Cup. In fact only a day before the team was named so they've had a fair amount of drama in the build up to it. Although when uh, speaking to the players and David Kidwell, the coach of the Kiwis, they remain very upbeat and positive about their chances at this World Cup. You still have to remember they are the world number two side. Um, They've got what I would say are relatively straightforward pool games. Uh, Samoa, Samoa um, they should win. Samoa have tested them in the past, but there is a chance that, uh, and there is a chance, should I say, that the Kiwis could be a bit rusty in their first game. Even so, they should still win with that forward pack they've got, and they've got plenty of plenty of uh, speed and skill out in their backs too. Uh, Tonga will be a very, very interesting game, given what I mentioned earlier about what happened with Tamalolo and the others. Uh, that's going to be a cracker of a game in my opinion in Hamilton um, we'll see we'll see a bunch of uh, bunch of fans down there uh, wanting to see a bit of blood I imagine and then uh, there's also a Scotland game in Christchurch I mean I know we only uh, drew with Scotland last year but playing back here in New Zealand at home field advantage I think will uh, go in the Kiwis favour so we definitely should make it uh, top out of pool play. 
what have you made of, sort of the build-up, I suppose, to this World Cup? How much hype is there around it, or, or has it gone under the radar? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, when I spoke to Thomas Luluwai uh, last week, he said that there had been little to no coverage in his opinion of the World Cup back here in New Zealand. Uh, he now plays obviously up in the UK, so when he came home and was reading the papers, the websites, you know, listening to the radio, he wasn't hearing anything about the World Cup and the build-up, which he found strange. Uh, and then I talked to a former Kiwis coach Frank Endicott uh, who said there is a bit of hype building up down in the South Island in Christchurch where he lives because that is where a few games will be played so a bit of a mix uh, they had the official welcome for the two teams uh, New Zealand and Samoa who open uh, the competition here in New Zealand tomorrow uh, earlier this week there are about maybe 200 250 people down at the viaduct um, mostly school children so I mean there hasn't been the biggest publicity but then again uh, out in South Auckland, uh, Samoa were again welcomed uh, down in Mangere, uh yesterday and there were hundreds and hundreds of school children down there welcoming them. It looked like more of a party atmosphere down there. So it, uh, in patches around Auckland it is, it is uh, picking up, uh, around, and I guess in patches around New Zealand it is as well. But um, yeah, it's I mean over in Australia, Australia are co-hosting it as well, so Papua New Guinea, um, there's been quite a lot of build-up. Obviously Australia are dead set favourites to take it out, so there's quite a lot of confidence in Australia and in, in their team um, so there's quite quite a bit of hype over there at this stage. Motor racing driver Brendan Hartley is inching closer to a full-time Formula One drive with Toro Rosso after the team confirmed they'll continue with the rookie New Zealander for the rest of the season. Hartley had already been confirmed to race in this weekend's Mexico Grand Prix after making an impressive F1 debut at the United States Grand Prix on Monday. He'll now get to race the final three events of the year, Mexico, Brazil and Abu Dhabi. Red Bull and Toro Rosso have yet to confirm their 2018 lineup, but the move increases Hartley's chance of securing one of those driving spots. Hartley grew up in a motorsport family in Palmerston North where Dad Brian runs a motorsport engineering shop supplying nearly half of the country's stock car engines. And he also works on classic cars, jet sprint boats and marathon jet boats. Clay Wilson spoke to Brian about what getting to drive for the rest of the F1 season meant for his son long term. It's all sort of a little bit amazing really, so let's see what happens. And I guess Mexico is a track he knows pretty well, he's been there a few times. Uh, he's been there before, yes. And is yeah. it a track he likes, do you know? Oh, I think so, yeah. I think they've won there, so I think he knows it um, OK, yes. And do you th- how much more prepared do you think he'll be after getting that first one out of the way? Well, he has to be more prepared. He, has to be a, he would understand the car a lot more, uh, so he can only move forward from there. What's this been like for you guys, I guess, you know, a lot more, you know, the media interest and just the, the whole thing in general, is it? Oh, is it, you I'm come over, down from... overwhelmed, overwhelmed by the enthusiasm of the New Zealand public. It's amazing. Yeah. Have you come down from the high of, of Monday, of yesterday No, yet? not really. <laughs> not really. <laughs> still on a high. Yeah. Does it seem, does it all seem a bit, still still a little bit surreal as such? You're right there. Mm. Um, it's, it's a dream. I suppose that every motor racing person has in New Zealand and and to get there like that, it's uh, yeah, it's it's out there of of, of the most amazing things. Yeah. Brian Hartley, the father of New Zealand's latest F1 driver, Brendan, talking to Clay Wilson. The Olympic rowing champion Mahi Drysdale's had his first day back with the national rowing squad this week. That's since winning gold at the Rio Olympics last year. 
Drysdale took 10 months off from the sport after Rio and says he put on 20 kilograms as he took a complete break from training. Despite Robbie Manson posting a world best time for the single skull earlier this year, Drysdale's confident that he can regain the single skull spot in the national squad. Coming up to four months now of, of training, so um, I'd say the, the first three months were pretty tough. Struggled a wee bit, but um, yeah, sort of starting to see the light of the, at the end of the tunnel this last uh, three weeks. And, um, you know, feeling, uh, feeling pretty good, at, to be honest. What was the, the toughest part of it, the mental side of things or, or, or the physical? No, I think just physical. Like I, I literally started in the worst shape of my life. I was overweight, I was unfit and um, you know, coming back from, from uh, you know, having that time off was, was pretty hard. It just took a long time. You, know, you, seem, you feel like you're doing work and not making any progress and then uh, you know, the last three weeks... Uh, suddenly the the progress has just just shot up, and um, you know I can I can now kind of say okay now I can see how I can get back. What's the the worst shape of your life look like for for Marty Drysdale? Well, I put on about twenty kilos from um, from Rio, uh, and uh, you know physically um, I was in in pretty bad shape. Uh, you know I'm, I'm used to to being uh, you know very very fit uh, and. Uh, I, I certainly you know, I was, I was struggling to, to kind of run, um, you know, 5k. I was, I was battling, so yeah, it was, um, I was I was in pretty bad shape. But uh, you know, I think with an endurance sport, and, and obviously you don't lose that overnight. So um, it has come back um, fairly quickly. And saying that, there's still a lot of work to do. But um, you know, I, I sort of feel like I'm now on track to, to be able to, um, you know. To, to be able to start competing over this summer season and, and obviously it's going to take me a while to, to get back to my best but um, you know, I'm confident now that, that I can get there. And the decisions now I, I would imagine are around what boat you're going to compete in. Yeah that's right so yeah, I've been, been thinking about that um, you know, it's looking more and more likely I'll, um, I'll stay in the single so um, that's, that's kind of um, you know, what I'm I'm sort of uh, heading towards at the moment and um, yeah, just, just sort of putting everything in place now to, to work out how that might work and how that might look. I, I couldn't see a, a clear sort of crew or, um, or you know, someone that I thought you know, we could make a really good combination. So uh, you know, in, in that respect, um, you know, I kind of thought, well, you know, I might as well do what I, I still love, the single. Um, I still feel like I've got some things I can achieve in it. Um, and yeah, probably probably on the balance of it, it's um, it's slightly easier to um, manage alongside a family, and the fact that you you can be slightly more flexible without affecting other people. But um, you know, it is tough, and uh, you've you've still got to do the work. So that's um, that's something I'm I'm very aware of. And the single skull, obviously, Robbie Manson's not going too badly there, so that creates a, an interesting. Uh, situation, some competition, but not something that you're uh, uh, unfamiliar with, given, uh, I suppose, that New Zealand's rowing history in the single skull. Yeah, we're lucky in this country. We've, we've had a lot of good single scholars over the year, um, years, and, um, you know, Robbie, Robbie obviously, um, you know, did well, but uh, didn't, didn't quite finish it off um, at the World Champ. So I guess, uh, you know, that's very much opened the, the door up, um, you know, and, and uh, I think... Uh, I'm, I'm confident in my ability that, that I've performed every time I've, 
I've gone out and uh, and raced in the single, and um, you know, so so obviously uh, it's it's about focusing on what I can do best and and making sure I'm in the the best shape possible to uh, to try to win that seat. And where did things sit with Dick Tonks now? Um, well, he's uh, no longer employed by New Zealand Rowing, so yeah, that's that's I guess uh, where where that's at. Um, so, do you, you know, have an indi- individual contract, or is there an individual contract sort of sitting outside of the like it was sort of leading into the Olympics, or, or you're looking for a you've got a new coach? Um, well, the, over the summer, um, you know, I'm, I'm working in with with Kelvin Ferguson, and um, as just part of the the sculling squad. Um, you know, so so that's really uh, where I'm at at the moment, and then um, yeah, I guess going forward we'll we'll make those decisions of seeing how things pan out um, over summer, and, and obviously uh, if I get that that spot back, and and then uh, you know we can can uh, try to you know work out who uh, who will become my my full time coach, whether that's Ferg or or you know whether there's an option with Dick or you know whether it's one of the other coaches. So. Yeah, those sort of things are still very much to be ironed out and worked out. Your preference would still be to work with Dick Tonks? Yeah, I think uh, that's that's something that, that you know I would like. Um, but you know whether that's a, a possibility, uh, I'm not sure. There's a lot of water to go under the bridge, and uh, you know I've, I've got to prove myself before we can sort of have those dis- discussions. That's Mahi Drysdale. Now, at 38, Drysdale might, well, shall we say, be at the older end of the Olympic age spectrum, whereas the Christchurch free skier Nico Porteous is at the younger end. In fact, he'll become New Zealand's youngest winter Olympian when he competes in South Korea next year. Porteous and his older brother and fellow freestyle halfpipe competitor Miguel were among the first batch of New Zealand athletes confirmed for the Games in Pyeongchang. Still just 15, Nico will be 16 years and 78 days on the first day of the event. But he told Clay Wilson, age was irrelevant when it comes to the competition. It was really cool. One of the best feelings I've had, just knowing that all that hard work is, has paid off and that um, I'm, I'm going to be able to represent my country and my sport that I love. I just love the adrenaline adrenaline rush that comes with the sport which I do and, and, and the tight group of people who you're always around and surrounded by people who do the exact same thing as you and they know the feeling which you go through and being able to experience the same adrenaline rushes with them and uh, yeah, it's just, you really feed off each other and it's, and it's heaps of fun. I'm sure by now you know that you're going to be the youngest Winter Olympian in New Zealand history, so what does it mean to you to achieve something like that? It's really cool, but I don't see age as a, as a big factor. Just because our sport is an open sport, and you can, you can do anything as long as you try and train hard enough and set your mind to it and focus on that one thing. So yeah, I, like, I'm, I'm obviously really proud to have that achievement but yeah I don't really see it as a as something that's going to phase me. You're still a few months away but do you have any uh, expectations or goals for the games yet? My goal for the games would be to make finals so which is top 10 and then after if I make finals then I guess anything can happen. I'm going to be used to competing against all the people that will be there just because it's such a tight community the free skiing community and and that everyone kind of follows the same comp circuit, which is the World Cup circuit. And so, yeah, I know all the guys, and it'll be really cool just for everyone to be hanging out, throwing some big tricks at the Olympics and people watching our sport.
Absolutely. And I guess you've got some very proud parents as well. So what's their reaction been, especially given it's not just you, but it's your, your brother as well, right? They're pretty proud. Yeah, they've definitely helped me a lot um, in my skiing. And so, yeah, they're they're extremely proud of us. It's really cool being able to have a family member there and I, the feeling which we will both get walking into the opening ceremony, you know, as brothers and being there achieving our, our dreams side by side is going to be really cool. That's free skier Nico Porteous talking to Clay Wilson. Well, it's finals weekend in the domestic rugby competition and there's pride to be restored and scores to be settled and history to be made. As rugby reporter Joe Porter reports, there's plenty on the line for Canterbury, Tasman, Wellington and Bay of Plenty. Trying to put it away for good morning. Puts a beautiful pass up. Harmon scores, and the dynasty continues. Tasman were outgunned by Canterbury in last year's Premiership final as the hosts claimed a record eighth title. The Marcos were only formed in 2006 and have always been viewed as Canterbury's little brother. Captain Alex Ainsley believes Tasman have stepped out of that red and black shadow, though he concedes a win over their southern rivals would taste particularly sweet. I think we've lost that tag now. You know, we're good enough to be our own union, our own entity. Obviously, there's always a big game against Canterbury, and we want to beat them just as much or so more than anyone else. Oh, it means a lot. It's, you know, if you, if you win the championship, it means a lot. But yeah, for us, being a young union, it'd be huge. Canterbury are the most dominant force in domestic rugby. Tomorrow night in Christchurch, they'll chase their ninth title in 10 years. They're at short odds to win, but Captain Jack Stratton says there's usually plenty of theatre when the two teams meet. It's always a, a ding-dong between Canterbury and Tasman and, and there's no lack of reason of wanting to get up. It's sort of Crusader region brothers and yeah, we're under no illusion what we're going to be faced with on Saturday and it should be a good spectacle. If Canterbury are out to extend their reign and Tasman to create history, then Wellington are vying to restore some pride. Relegated to the championship in 2014, the Lions have languished there ever since. However, they're heavy favourites to gain promotion when they host Bay of Plenty in tonight's final in Wellington. Their return to the Premiership seems a foregone conclusion, but Captain Brad Shields says it's that kind of thinking they're trying to avoid. If you worry about the outcome too much, you, you kind of get tripped up along the way. So uh, our goal is, hasn't changed from, from the season is to win the championship and we've put ourselves in the best possible situation to do that. We've just got to stick to our pattern, our structure and, and our sort of game plan, what we've been doing well all year and, and uh, hopefully we come out on top. That superstition was evident across the finals captains, with Shields, Ainsley and Stratton refusing to touch the trophies for fear of jinxing their chances. Bay of Plenty's Callum Retallick was the only skipper to break ranks, though he might have wished he hadn't. Playing our game. Not... Is there someone breaking the trophy already? <laughs> I don't think that's a good sign. No, 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 it's not our trophy, it's all right. <laughs> Ainsley reacting to the Bay of Plenty captain dropping the championship gong, though at least Retallick got his hands on the trophy. I was just seeing how much, how, how many beers it'll take. <laughs> and he may never find out, with Bay of Plenty rank outsiders to upset the Lions tonight in Wellington. Joe Porter with that report. And that brings us to the end of Extra Time for another week. Remember, if you wish to contact us, you can email us at sport at radionz.co.nz. On behalf of the Extra Time team, I'm Stephen Hewson. Bye for now. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. 
Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.